Welcome to Working From The Inside Out with your host, Ellie O'Brien from Finesse Equestrian Training. Come on a journey with me as I chat to some amazing horsey people from all around the world and maybe a few of my own tips too, as I expand my consciousness and challenge my beliefs and ultimately grow as a horse person and human being in general. (laughs) Welcome to Working From The Inside Out and today I am very lucky to have with me three amazing women, Elise Lett, Lizzie Maundrell and Anna Drabble. So we've been trying to come up with a name. (laughs) We haven't quite landed on that, but I think our topic for today is progressing podiatry through collaboration, which kind of sums up what these guys do. So to get started, I just uh, want each of you to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about you and what you do and I guess what what your goal is. Um, well, my name's Elise and I am a hoof care provider based in the Rotorua area in New Zealand. Um, I currently have maybe 160 horses on my books, um, mostly all barefoot <laughs> um, and some in composite shoes. Um, I came into uh, hoof care when I was living in Australia, um, we were living very remotely um, and the nearest hoof care provider was about 900 kilometres away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had two horses that I had to just figure it out on and it's all pro- progressed from there really. Um, kind of became a little obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so what do you think your goal is? Uh, nowadays or sort of where you're heading just to provide as like as much as I can to um to keep the horses on my books as comfortable as I can um in the jobs that they do Mm. I think um and it's such a such an ever-changing industry there's always new things coming on to the market um that's yeah it's been good to try out um, and see what we can see what works and what doesn't yeah cool thanks Elise and Lizzie hi I'm Lizzie um I work um in a fairly large area from Taupo down to Wellington um and um provide services mainly barefoot um and how did I get into it? Well, it kind of found me um, when I was uh, working on a trekking outfit. We couldn't get a regular farrier to service our horses, so we took the decision to take our horses barefoot. Um, and having a team of horses to see that process um, and take them all the way through was such an eye-opener that suddenly, just like Elise, I got a little bit obsessed and now spend a lot of my time um, chasing, researching, and working out what does and doesn't work and helping horses be comfortable doing the jobs that they're doing. Mm, Awesome. That's great. Thank you, Lizzie. And Anna? 
I'm Anna. I'm an equine podiatrist and I'm also a body worker. I've been trimming horses for lots of years now. Started when I was a teenager. Um, similar story, really. It's always always a horse that couldn't be done or couldn't find a farrier. So I had a, a young horse who wouldn't let men near her, and I thought, well, I'm gonna gonna have to learn this for myself. And started researching, and that got me into taking all my horse's shoes off. I was competing in dressage and eventing, show jumping at the time. So all those horses started competing barefoot. Then more recently, uh, four or five years ago now, I decided to take that full time. So I went over to Australia and did a diploma in equine podiatherapy over there and also became qualified in the Master of Method Bodywork. So I've been building up my business over the last couple of years in the Waikato. I do a couple of days in Taupo and also over in the Hawke's Bay. Awesome. Cool. Lots of knowledge between you all. So I guess then how do we arrive at uh, collaborating and working together? And I know that um, you've all been up to some exciting stuff together. Does anyone want to take the lead on that? This is pretty much how all our conversations <laughs> go. Um, well, we, I think we all started getting interested in glue work and composite shoes. So we, we were all trimmers. Um, and I guess it gets to a point where you just need something more for a few horses. Um, but gluing, gluing is quite a skill and <laughs> it takes quite a lot of resources and a lot of practice to get to the point where you're confident enough to go out and work on clients' horses. And it wasn't something that I wanted to learn completely on my own. Mm. Um, and so you know, I dragged Lizzie into it, said, do you want to come up for a day? And then... I said to Lizzie, I've invited someone else along. <laughs> none of us, none of us have met at that point, had we? No, not not directly. No. Yeah. Um, oh, I met you. Yeah. 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 Um, and so we got together for our first uh, practice day. Mm. Um, that was fun. And we've been doing it ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. Like arriving for our first, uh, but yeah, the, that first practice day was um, was quite a, a mix of emotions for me because getting together with two other trimmers that ha we hadn't ever met and um, putting ideas across, not only about blowing but our techniques as well, um, was definitely something that was going to make or break. <laughs> definitely something that was. I hadn't experienced before or put myself in that situation before. So how about you guys? I don't, I, I don't think we've ever, ever talked about, about I think that. There's, there's always some kind of apprehension going in as to like how 
pe- like people perceive you or and also the fact that everybody has slightly different techniques for doing things and mm. and um working working with the horses and stuff like that it, it can be yeah a little worrying <laughs> going into meeting and, and doing what you do in front of other people who do the same thing as what you do <laughs> the judgment (laughs) (laughs) or so we think anyway I think I was really lucky in Australia um, having a class and a team of team of people to bounce off um, team of other trimmers and coming back to New Zealand um, I think working as a, a trimmer or a farrier or a body worker can be quite isolating in a way once mm. once you've finished your training and you just go out and work kind of on your own with clients and you've got to make the decisions and we talk quite a bit online but it's quite different actually physically getting together and having these conversations um we've i think we've we've expanded our knowledge and skills a huge amount and just that mm. support network so what do you think the confidence Confidence. sorry the confidence to actually want to try new things because you can kind of throw a picture up on our group chat and go um Mm. (laughs) (laughs) or oh my gosh that was so hard and That's awesome. So yeah. what do you think, because I think uh, sometimes or, or maybe some people would be very judgmental or, or not very tactful in the way because I guess you want to be, you want to have uh, constructive criticism and helping each other. So how do you go about that? Do, is that what you do? Like... Uh, help each other with improving or how does that side of things work? (laughs) I think we all three of us kind of mesh reasonably well and we're all pretty open-minded. Yeah. Um, And we all want to move forwards. Like we don't want to be stuck doing something over and over and over if it's not working. Mm. I think we just lucked out really. Three random people. (laughs) We happen to get on really well and have a lot of fun, but we're also, um, I know there's there's a kind of unspoken understanding that we're not really judgmental of each other and and what we each do, and it's just feedback when we're kind of looking critically at the work we're doing it's, it's just feedback it's not mm. being critical of the work and you can kind of take that feedback or you can leave it it's, it's not a big deal mm. I think one of the big things that um that really helps us as well though is that we all have very different areas that are our expertise or where we excel at mm. um and also our areas are very different as well we don't tend to overlap so right at the get-go I felt that there wasn't any reason for us to be um judgmental of each other and so I think that was a very a very um wise decision or it was a a move that allowed us to possibly um bring everything to the table rather than being a little bit closed-minded or not willing to um engage yeah so 
I, I, yeah, I think that was um, definitely a, a bonus to the three of us getting together. Um, and in terms of being judgmental, I think we laughed too much. <laughs> <laughs> too much laughing and not enough horses. <laughs> That's always a good thing. I certainly enjoyed myself with you guys uh, two weeks ago. Uh, here in Rotorua. <laughs> <laughs> we do actually get to <laughs> What was that? I don't think we ever had a bad have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So, when you get together, what is the structure? And I, I think first, let's backtrack a little bit. Actually, what is what are the glue shoes? What are they used for? When would you decide to put them on if you had to explain to somebody who kind of knew, like, what what is that all about? That's a good question. Um, there's a huge range of glue-on composite shoes, and by composite we're talking about um, plastic or rubber shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's loads and loads of different kinds. A lot of them can be nailed on as well, but we're choosing to glue them onto to feet. Um, we are we're still predominantly barefoot, but there's there's times when you just need more protection for a horse, or you need to do more with a foot than what you can leave bare. They're going to need um, a protection for you to for you to be able to do what you need to do in that trim. Um, so. We're using them on uh, rehab horses, so uh, therapy for things like laminitis, navicular, um, horses with really low or underslung heels uh, with negative armor angles that we're correcting, um, horses with severe cracks and broken hoof walls, mm-hmm. and also at the opposite end of the spectrum, using them on performance horses. So I use them quite a bit on endurance horses with a few endurance clients where they use boots for most of their training. And then we do glue-ons for going and doing their ride. And also for, um, I have a few dressage horses where the surface that they might be performing on is quite abrasive or they're not addition to it is different to what they train on at home and so we pop on some glue on shoes for their competitions and that the beauty is that because we're not nailing um we're not damaging the hoof wall so we can pop those shoes on for a few days if we want to and then take them off and the horse can go barefoot again or they can last a whole trim cycle they're really versatile Mm. super cool one of, one of the best ways that um i kind of um have described it with uh, applying composites is that trimming is a, a removal process we're taking away who for uh, but sometimes we need to put something back we need to add material um and composites cast everything like that allows us to um do that um whilst maintaining function of the hoof to the best of our ability. So, um, yeah, it's an, it's an addition. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. That's And the really great nice. thing about the composites is they they perform a lot like the hoof itself. 
So mm. rather than putting on a really um, a really unyielding material uh, that kind of locks the foot into place, mm. the composite flexes quite in quite a similar way to what the hoof naturally does. Um, they're also great for, for concussion absorption. Um, working on hard surfaces mm. really good. Mm. Another key point to that as well is that we can build cordial heel support in as well. So it supports the whole foot rather than just uh, just that uh, peripheral rim that um, it's very traditional. And so that is what we did with Chrome last? Yes, on Chrome's hind feet, he was, he's a little, he's probably not negative mm -hmm. um, without doing radiographs. He's just a little bit low in his heel on those hind feet, and that can have an impact right up through their body. So mm -hmm. every joint in that hind limb is impacted by that, and it can create strain through their hind end. Mm -hmm. So what we did with him was just build him a little bit of heel in the hind, and then we use um, an impression material to pack under the shoe, and that supports the whole foot. And it kind of sets to a, a, a springy, rubbery consistency, so it's not really solid, mm. but it's just spreading the load out over the whole, the whole sole, the frog, and the hip wall. And you kind of likened yeah. that to as if there was, like, if he didn't have anything on his foot and it had filled up with mud and dirt, that sort of thing. Is that correct? Yeah, so it's kind of um, imitating... The, the dirt that would naturally just pack into their foot. Mm. Yeah. And so um, I guess I should go back and explain. So two weeks ago, um, you guys were getting together and in Rotorua and we had planned to do a podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> However, that didn't quite happen, but we did get to have a play with the Workman Black and, um, so do you want to have a chat about that, Lizzie, and and what we did there? Sure. Um, so the Workman Black is a fantastic tool that um, I've just brought in, um, which is a gait analysis and motion tracking um, system. And how we work that is we use IMUs um, or sensors put on each foot um, and then we collect data from the horse as it moves in a walk and a trot. Um, and it has, it shows us exactly how that, that foot moves um, in relation to the rest of the body. Um, and through the force phases of um, stance, swing, breakover and landing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic tool that I think we haven't, really found the limits of yet mm. I know um for myself like when we did it on chrome it kind of picked up some of the things that I had been feeling under saddle and almost beating myself up about 
as well, thinking like, where have I gone wrong in my training? <laughs> what do I need to do to fix this sort of thing? Thinking that it was a training thing. Um, so it was quite interesting to then, I think, can you explain what some of the things were that we found? Well, you've probably done lots of horses since then, so. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me, but um, um, what did we find? Uh, so with Chrome, what we did, uh, we did a full assessment on him on a hard and soft surface under uh, walk and trot um, and in hand and under saddle. So we had a lot of data that we collected. Um, and... The, so the, the program collects the data and compares it. And so what we can do is compare those, uh, those data sets. Um, and to put it in a nutshell, the comparison between hard and soft surfaces showed up some really interesting deviations, um, especially in hand and under saddle. Um, in terms of uh, movement, the uh, addition of a rider really did change um, Chrome's movement in the trot on a, on a soft surface mm. um, and identified some of the things that you're saying in your training as to why he was being less or more uh, restrictive in some of his movement. Um, and to see that actually laid out in, in data format or actually rather than just relying on our eyes and being able to see it in comparative data is... Um, it's just amazing mm -hmm. and to also be able to use that um system to progress or to to um profile him over time and see how he progresses in his training mm, yeah that's neat and then i guess from that data you guys were able to like make a decision on doing the glue shoes and doing the wedges is that correct So one of the one of the components of the Workman Black is something called the Ring of Workman. It shows us how the horse is uh, um, utilizing its feet during its landing, um, and it tells us how the horse lands. Um, we're seeing that that data tells us how comfortable the horse is to go through those that that, that landing, um, and. That's quite important to seeing how comfortable the horse is and what we need to do to improve that comfort because we're always trying to improve comfort to improve performance. Mm. Um, and so having seen the landing pattern uh, that we had with Chrome, uh, we decided that, yeah, we could definitely improve his performance um, and his comfort. Mm. And so I think you said... Uh, that it will take a couple of weeks for things to ch start changing after putting the wedges on? Yeah, so we're not just working with, with uh, the feet. We're working with the whole body, which is muscles, tendons, ligaments. Um, and so seeing changes, it isn't instant. We have to work with the whole body um, and take a holistic approach. Um and it's also a combination of working with body workers to change how that body is moving and working as well. I'll just pass you over to Anna here. She'll probably jump in a bit more. <laughs> I thought this would be a good spot for Anna too. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
hope you guys can hear how excited Lizzie is about this this equipment. <laughs> <laughs> she's being very controlled, but we've got a little video of each other, and she's like absolutely frothing. <laughs> um, don't so, hold back. Don't hold back. Go all in. <laughs> <laughs> the workman black, it's so much more than just a tool um, for assessing the horse's feet. It really is a gait analysis um, program. And that data is so useful for all of us horse professionals, not just hoof professionals. Um, it's it's useful for, of course, trimmers and farriers, but also body workers, saddle fitters. There's so many people who could use this. Um, by assessing how the horse is working on, uh, is landing on their feet and what the swing of their gait is, um, that gives us data to then go back and compare what we visually see in the feet and what we're feeling in the body of the horse and work out where that deviation might be coming from. Um, it gives us um, information that our eyes might not be able to pick up. Mm. So it's picking up things that are happening in fractions of a second. And then we can go back and feel, yep, all right, now that I know that hind that hind leg is swinging underneath and then coming out and landing on the, the lateral side, uh, that's the outside of the hoop, now I can feel, right, that might be up in this hip where I'm feeling a bit of tension or where the lumbar sacral junction uh, doesn't quite have the same movement on this side or the other. And then I think the, the real thing to do is to come back to it. So take a good set of data, um, have your whole team of equine professionals look at that. Um, Lizzie sends it out to you, talks you through it, gives you a report, and then you can give that, that report to your trimmer, your body worker, your saddle fitter, your vet, even your trainer. Mm. They can use it how um, they're going to use it, see it with their own skill set and then going back and doing that in another six months and seeing where you're at getting a baseline for that talk yeah that's neat i'm really excited um from from a selfish standpoint <laughs> of being able to look at that that's so helpful for me and i think perhaps even being able to catch things sooner before it becomes something really big and, and bad and harder to undo later on, right? Because you're able to see um, whether whatever you're doing in, in whatever part, whether it's the feet or the training or, or the body work, uh, whether what you're doing is positively impacting or negatively. Oh, it's definitely a tool that we can use um, for prevention rather than cure um, mm. to profiling over time and seeing how those training programs um, or even rehabilitation programs are working, whether they're being successful or whether they're actually hindering progress. Mm. It's 
it's a tool that um, it's the only one here currently, I, I do believe. But um, the I see that having access to one um, and the, the feedback you have has totally changed my opinion of what we actually see, what we want to see, and what's actually happening. Um, and so seeing progress happen, um, especially with comfort in terms of footfall and landing, um, the phrase or the the the, the um, comment of no hoof, uh, no horse, no hoof, no horse, um, really comes to mind because um, if you haven't got comfort in the landing phase, you definitely cannot pro progress with any of your training, uh, which comes back to where we were with Chrome, um, putting putting a, a package on to see how we. We can change his movement. Um, ideally, I would love to uh, reassess him fairly soon. Mm. And you know what? I've I've only ridden him a couple of times since then, but th his walk is just like so much bigger and freer, and he feels more confident and kind of like sure in his body because he's he's very sensitive, as you guys um, saw the other week. <laughs> But he's so sensitive to slight discomfort, even uh, with having his teeth done. He He's best if I have it done every six months because at the moment it's slightly out of balance. He's like, no, thank you. <laughs> I can't possibly perform at my peak. <laughs> so that was really cool. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where to next and how things improve. That's where the one that we sorry we missed. Sorry. Um, it was using it for dentists as well. I think it would be very cool to yes. to see dentists mm. relate what they're feeling in the mouth to the data um, that the Workman Black shows. Mm, yeah. That would be fantastic for them. So many possibilities with the sensitive horses too, like the Workman Black, because it does work on those tiny, tiny little milliseconds. Um, like for sensitive horses watching them you may not pick up everything that the well you won't pick up everything that the workman black would pick up mm. um and it might just be those tiny tiny little fragments of things that the workman black picks up that could mean the world to that sensitive super super sensitive horse um yeah yeah that's so true and so where to because you you are my um my trimmer <laughs> so where to next with chrome because i think we have a couple couple more weeks before um next trim cycle so what are, what do we do from here yeah well um the shoe package that he has on his hind feet i think we could probably leave on for definitely for another two weeks mm -hmm. um if not three, I mean, the yeah, it's not terrible to leave them on for five weeks, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is a, a trim cycle in, in my books. Okay. Um, yeah. And then we can pull them off and give them a trim and reapply or see what, see what he feels like then. Right. So you Maybe just... Lizzie, you can so I think, work, I think the can... big difference of what we're trying to achieve um, is in the, the composite package with the impression material supporting the hoof, we're not just artificially changing 
the angle of the hoof, we're actually trying to get that hoof to um, to, to make some changes in itself. Mm. So with really low angle hooves, often the heel is really weak. Um, the actual hoof wall heel that we kind of tend to stay healed, but also the uh, digital cushion and all the structures, the soft tissue structures at the back of the foot are really weak and underdeveloped. So those get developed by use. If the horse is landing on their toes, which Chrome was actually managing to land on his toes on the hinds, which is quite unusual, mm-hmm. um, then that's not going to develop. So what we're aiming for is to get the back of the foot more comfortable to where they want to use it and then then using it, then going out um, and building it up, making it fitter, developing that tissue. Um, so we're developing the, the digital cushion as well as uh, the outer structures that we tend to look at more. The heel itself, the actual hoof wall heel, um, by applying a glue-on package to that, we can actually take more heel than what we'd usually be able to do barefoot. There's always this um, this debate going on in our minds when we're trimming is how much do we leave on for comfort and how much can we take off to try and get the changes that we want to see in the foot. So often the heel is... If it's really weak, that's really low as well. Mm. Maybe it's around. Yeah. It's really low, and so it's really weak. So it starts to crush and roll under, and they don't really grow any more um, strong height. So in the shoe package, because we're going to be adding something back on, we can trim away all the weak material that's going to be folding mm. and, and crushing, <laughs> replace that with glue, and replace that with the shoe and the impression material, give it some support, and then let it grow from the place that it's strongest. Mm, it makes so much yeah. sense. And the, the correct, like if he's using his foot more correctly with the shoe package on, it will stimulate the growth in the right places, hopefully. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the idea. The, the end goal with us using these glue-on packages as much as possible is to get the horses back to being barefoot. Um, to use them as a, a tool uh, to improve the foot, mm. to allow them to go mm. barefoot. So I'm using them on a few horses uh, to take them out of steel nail-on shoes, um, which gives us the time to grow out nail holes, grow out some really weak foot, and make some improvements before they need to go completely bare. And that can be really... Uh, helpful in transitioning horses to barefoot. Um, there are some horses that their hooves are just so damaged that they do need more support for probably the rest of their lives. Mm. Um, very, very few and far between, but they're out there. Um, and, of course, the other one is performance where we're not trying to um, make any changes to the foot. They just need some protection for while they're out competing um, on surfaces that their feet aren't properly conditioned to because 
let's face it, a lot of us are just out on on paddocks, on nice surfaces, um, especially those endurance horses. Um, or if you're out going out on a really big trek, you're probably going to encounter surfaces that you wouldn't normally be training on, or you're spending a lot more time on them than what you usually would. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. And so do all three of you find that you're using them quite a bit, or is it something that you're more just doing when you work together? Um, <laughs> starting, starting to use them, the uses for them more and more. Mm. Um, but or I think that's only coming because now I'm a, like a little more confident in the application and the application staying on. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I like can have it as a tool in my toolbox. Um, Yeah. So I've currently got two client horses and composite shoes and one donkey in casts. <laughs> ah, interesting. Yeah, I have about, I don't know, somewhere over 200 horses on the books uh, that I trim. And I think at the moment I've got five or six in composite shoes. Um, in summer, I have more uh, when more people are competing. Um, and also, it's not so much in the Waikato, but in the Hawke's Bay, the, the ground gets so, so hard. Yes. It's really, there's nowhere else like it. The ground turns to concrete. Um, standing around on, on that all the time is, is not that flash. So horses with um, sore joints often appreciate um, standing on a composite shoe. Mm. Um, I, I have a range of um, horses with severe cracks um, that we're growing out, uh, a laminitic, a couple of horses with um, really low underslung heels and long toes, um, wet portal hoof that we're trying to develop. Yeah, and a couple of performance horses that keep going through winter, we just keep keep going with them so that they can go off for their lessons. Um, and they're in kind of situations where they're training on grass at home and the rider wants to take them off to a lesson, which will be on quite an abrasive surface. Mm-hmm. And so they might like to just have protection on all the time. I had never thought of that sort of stuff when I was younger. And so um, (laughs) it's so, I guess it's only more in recent years that I've started to go like, wow, that would, that would really impact things. And probably just realizing how much the feet really do matter and, and putting effort into working with the right people and educating ourselves as well. I think hoof, hoof comfort is something that's often really under um, under investigated in behavioural problems. Um, mm-hmm. 
I came from a, a training background in it at the time. I definitely saw pretty much everything as a training problem. Like if you could just get the training right for this horse, then you could fix all the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you finally get a horse that you just cannot fix the training problems and then you have to learn a different way. And that horse for me was one of my own little horses um, a few years back now who just totally opened my eyes to, wow, this this horse has a lot of body issues. Um, but other horses, it can often be foot issues is the reason they are either labelled lazy or don't want to go forward, sluggish. Um, but there's there's often more subtle signs as well that perhaps they are starting to say no to jumps because they don't want to land on the other side. They're not comfortable landing on their feet or going downhill is always um, one that really shows up problems. If mm-hmm. they're not comfortable going downhill, then you need to start investigating are the feet okay is their back all right um well not just their back it's really their whole body is their saddle all right uh is your balance as a rider okay on top of them ticking off all of the boxes (laughs) and it's never just one thing (laughs) it's usually a combination of different things going on yeah i think um i mentioned this one in a in another podcast but one time it was really eye-opening for me because because I had a pony come to me for training and with her little rider she had started to refuse jumps usually she was a point and shoot and and very happy and willing and then I think she was even doing some like bolting around the paddock um and then eventually she was just like "Uh uh-uh you're not even catching me and so she came to me and I kind of like took her through all of the the training side of things and uh one of the exercises that we do is acceptance of the flag and um she was just like very aggressive towards it and often I find, like, if they've got fear around a stimulus, within a session or two, they'll be fairly accepting of it. But she just was not letting up sort of thing. And I think the thing with the acceptance work it isn't about dominance or forcing it on them. It's a conversation. And she was just like, no way. And so then... Um, what I found is that all in her shoulders, she was really, really tight. And then when we got someone out to do her feet, uh, and because the owners had said to me, oh, we hardly have to get her feet done. She keeps her, she trims them her, herself. And then looking at her feet, her toes were really short. Uh, and I think the bar was really long. And so I think she was always on her toes does that sound about right and anyway so it had created the tension all up through her shoulders and her neck and I was just like wow (laughs) that's such a good example of how the feet affect the body and then how the feet and the body are affecting your training and going back and trying to find 
find the answers. Mm, that's right. And so... Um, oh, sorry. I was okay. just going to add in there, there's some really good research coming out um, about connection between um, feet and myofascial lines through the body, um, how MPA or negative plantar or palmar angle really does affect the whole body, um, the tension up through the shoulders and up through the pole. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, a good um, source there would be Yogi Sharp, the equine documentalist, if you ever get the chance to look him up. Okay, I've heard good things of him. And is that... Here you go, Anna. Um, I think we're, we're getting better and better at not not viewing each of these things as an individual. Um, there's really nothing that doesn't affect something else. You make a change at the foot and it makes a change to how your saddle fits or your horse's back changes and your saddle doesn't fit anymore and that changes how they're moving and that changes how their feet are wearing. Um, mm. There's really nothing that doesn't affect something else and we are getting better at recognising that. Um, that's where it's really good for the equine professionals to be whoever that, oh, I did the word. <laughs> Collaborating. For <laughs> <laughs> equine professionals to be getting together a lot more and talking, learning from each other, um, And rather than just going, these are the tools I have, I need to fix this. Is mm. there something that someone else could do? Do do I need to advise this person, this horse owner, to get in their saddle fitter or get in their dentist? It doesn't always have to be the tool that we have. Mm. Yeah. I think the, the pathways for communication need to be used more often <laughs> um, between equine professionals, whether it's dentists or body workers or farriers or vets or, yeah. And do you think that, um, so for myself as a trainer, I would then say, say if the horse was having an issue, it's up to me as the trainer to be like, contact um a trimmer or the vet or the equine dentist and have that communication pathway more open or kind of saying to the owner, look, you need to check off getting teeth done. Da, 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 da. I think it comes as a whole package, to be honest. Um, to, to, as a trainer, I think being aware of all of the aspects because training is really the icing on the cake. Yeah. Isn't it? It's sure a combination is. of everything coming together to um, to come to performance. Um, and if one piece is missing, whether that's um, poor dental, um, unbalanced feet, um, needing body work, then you're not going to achieve your goal of training the horse to where you want the horse to be mm-hmm. or where the owners want the horse to be. So in terms of communication, I think having a team that you're very comfortable with um, and working with in terms of body work, a trimmer, farrier, vet, having that open communication and team teamwork is where you're going to achieve success. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, 
it's down to all of us equine professionals, trainers included, to try and educate ourselves a lot more um, in different aspects. Uh, we certainly don't need to be um, experts in those areas, but we should know enough, a trainer should know enough to, to have a look over the whole horse, um, look at their muscling, look at their, their feet and the, the foot balance and go, oh, your, your horse is not wanting to go forwards or your horse um, doesn't go so well on the left rein and I've just looked at their feet and I've noticed this. Have you talked to your barrier, your trimmer about this? Um, mm. And this is something I'd really like more of us to start doing and I want to start opening up pathways to do that is for different equine professionals to get together and learn from each other. Um, so something I've been thinking about for a while and I think hopefully yeah. uh, the combination of talking about it with you guys and um, the lockdown uh, <laughs> might get me to actually do it. Um, I want to create a Facebook page for equine professionals to firstly get on there and just talk to each other. So not just any one thing, not just trimmers, not just barriers, but all New Zealand equine professionals, anyone who wants to. And then uh, for people to, to start going out and observing each other. Um, mm. So to be open for a saddle fitter to come out and ride along um, with your body worker or your trimmer and see what they do and the opposite um, and have conversations, right, I've seen this horse, um, this is what I see in this horse um, and talk to the other equine professionals working on that horse rather than getting secondhand information through horse owners. Um, mm. Talking in more technical terms and a lot of the time stuff gets lost in translation and by working on on those horses as a team, we can do so much more for them and so much more for their riders. Yeah, it kind of joins the dots a little bit more, doesn't it? And, and, and gives us a more truer picture of what is going on. For sure. Um, and it, like, it would be great for to have trainers like yourself come out with us. Um, yeah. Come and see what a come and see what a trimming day is like. Um, there's so many things you could learn. The the trimming, um, not the trimming itself, but looking at hoof balance, um, looking at what that horse needs to learn to be trained to be good for the trimmer or barrier. Um, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's probably a whole new podcast. Could benefit from some training. And if you guys see um, us working under horses and what we're expected to do in a day's work, I think that gives you a really good perspective on how you need to train those horses when they come in. Mm. What are three, the three top things that you guys as, as trimmers um, – would want to have in a horse like what what makes a, a good horse good to trim <laughs> <laughs> the 
They stay quiet. They stay quiet. They stand quietly. They don't lean. They don't pull. Um, And the owner pays attention. Oh, yes, that is probably probably training the owner is more important than training the horse because um, quite often the horse becomes what we want it to be as we improve their comfort. Um, So... To some degree, the training, yep, training is there for sure. But to me, safety when we're working around the horses is paramount. So um, handlers that are on their phones or distracted or um, aren't too worried about our safety when we're underneath a half-ton animal um, does start to get me a little bit niggled. (laughs) Especially by Friday at five (laughs) o'clock. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so I guess from a trainer or a handler's, uh, oh, sorry, owner's, um, it's up to us to to train them those basic foundations so that they are safe before you get there and are underneath them. And that means if, if those horses are able to, to stand quietly and stand still, it means that we can do our best work for them. Mm. It's really hard doing, like trimming is, is like sculpting. You're using really sharp tools and trying to shape the hoof um, into a beautiful, functional uh, shape. You mm. try creating a work of art on something that's moving around and yanking itself away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just can't waste it. Yeah. <laughs> so it, um, it really pays to um, make sure your horse can stand so that we can actually do the work you want us to do. Mm. Yeah. It's very hard to concentrate doing the big job possible when you're worried about your safety. Yeah. Yeah. We want you guys to be Or if you're safe. in mud. <laughs> <laughs> so having a good clean dry area <laughs> yeah. oh that's great so is there are there any other areas is there anything I haven't asked or that you want to talk about we've really covered a whole range of topics here we have I I'm feel sure I'm sure there's things that we could talk about in a lot more depth at another time. Um, um, yep, I could definitely yeah. um, talk a lot more about work in black and um, also the former hoof that um, we're currently working with um, and the te- other technology that we're about to bring in. Um, but that might be a, another topic that I don't want to chew your ear off right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, shall we do that off the back of this podcast? We can find, get feedback, see what else people want to know. Um, I think, yeah, like you say, we've we've scratched the surface and covered some really interesting places. And then perhaps next time we can delve deeper into specific areas. Um, yeah, does that sound good? Come and see us at Equifest. Yes, what I was going to (laughs) say. We should talk about Equifest. Um, We're all going to be there. You're going to have a a stand, Lizzie, and I'm going to have a little stand. Yep, I'm having a stand. 
um, which <laughs> or the stand. Um, so we're going to have some pretty awesome bits and pieces going on. Um, we're going to be bringing the former hoof through for people to see, um, and also showing the application, obviously on a non-live specimen. Um, I think Anna and uh, Elise will be helping me with that one. Um, what else? Awesome. We'll have the workman back there. We'll be doing. Um, we've got a couple of. Uh, sessions where we're going to show how that works and the data that we get back from it. Um, what else are we going to have there? Oh, lots of bits and pieces. Um, Anna's going to have um, a stand as well. What's on your stand, Anna? <laughs> I've just got a little, one of those little narrow box stands inside. Um, I may not be on it the whole time, but you'll be welcome to um, give me a call up and say, hey, can you come and have a chat to me at your stand? Um, I'd love to, to chat to horse owners um, about their, their horses and how they think uh, some of the things we'll be presenting on um, at Equifest could help with you and your horses. And it'll also be great to chat with other equine professionals and really start to open up trying to, to work together and, and get out together more. Mm, I love that idea. Yeah, cool. And so all three of you will be presenting together as well. Is that correct? Yeah, we have uh, yeah. Yeah, one presentation together out in the round pen. Awesome. Um, we'll, all three of us will be out there uh, with Lizzie's Workman Black. And then I have a, a classroom session as well on transitioning your horse to barefoot. So... If you've been thinking about it for a while and you're just not sure how to make it work or how your horse is going to, to cope with the workload and things that you ask of it, that'll, that'll cover a lot of those questions. And I think you've got a classroom session as well, Lizzie? Yep, I've got a seminar session, um, which will be covering um, technology with hoof care for comfort and performance. So um, integrating all of this new technology that we've got um, at our fingertips to help make those decisions and a lot about what we've spoken to about today mm. um, and showing people why it's so important and why it's applicable to them. Cool. That sounds very exciting. I think I will have to sneak away from my stand <laughs> to come and listen in and learn more. <laughs> well, I didn't get a big stand this year because I want to go around and visit other people's stands and see you guys. I think I walked past, like, power walked past you last year. I was like, I have <laughs> yes. get to her next seminar. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Oh, well, that's exciting. So um, where can people find each of you if they want to learn more about what you do, uh, if they want to be able to work with you? Um, where can they find... You all. Um, well, I'm at on Facebook at uh, BOP Barefoot Hoof Care. Um, they can contact me through there. Awesome. Thank. That was Elise. I have. A, <laughs> oh, I have. Um, I'm pretty similar to Elise. I have a, a Facebook page and a website under um, hoofandhorse.co.nz, um, which happy to take uh, messages and. Um, Definitely, definitely keen to talk to people about uh, what we're doing. Awesome. 
Those should be pretty easy to find. I'm just under my name, Anna Drabble. Uh, I have a Facebook page and a website. Um, I work in Hamilton, Palpo and Hawke's Bay. But I'm always happy for people outside my areas to, to call up and have discussions about what's happening with your horse's feet and, and try and bring in different ideas of how we might be able to help. Mm, awesome. Um, and then one last question, because this podcast is called Working From The Inside Out, it's always fun to ask, what does that mean to you? Take it away, Elise. <laughs> on a pretty person <laughs> um, from the inside out I think is about looking at things as a whole really like mm. inside out is it's not you can't just look at the the shell of the picture you've got to look at the whole thing yeah yeah nice. <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie me Oh, Lizzie, is Lizzie oh. going? Yeah, there well, you go, you're next in line. Yeah. <laughs> the inside out. Well, with the, with the science is my background of being a scientist. Um, for me, I'm really getting into it now with being able to bring the science and the, and the technology into hoof care um, and being able to show without bias exactly what's happening, why it's happening, and what we can do to help change that. So... For me, working from the inside out means working from data. Mm. Cool. That's a new answer. <laughs> we, ha- we haven't had a data person before. <laughs> and, uh, this is our crazy mad scientist. <laughs> oh, neat. For me, it, it's the physical inside, but it's also the mental inside of it um mm. and try to try to work out what what is going on for horses um on the inside and how that is affecting what we see um it's something we we didn't really get into it maybe it's a another topic again but how the horses mental state and mental health affect um their physical state and even affects for us, um, the way they're moving mm. and the health of their feet would be really interesting. Yes, that's personally quite a passion area of myself. And <laughs> just to actually finish off, I think talking about that mental state, it was so interesting when we first uh, started working with Chrome, uh, when we put the Workman Black on, we were up um, outside my house on the asphalt and um, and there, it's quite like a tight space, there's higher energy and his movement was because of his mental state was impacted because of that and, uh, and how confidently he went in his body so um, I think that that's a... it's such a good thing to to think about that it's not just the physical the longer we had him up there, the more he relaxed and we we did see the change in his movement, for sure. Yes. Yeah, one of the cool things about working back is that we can calibrate um, a lot of the a lot of the settings and a lot of the data that we get back so that if there are 
um, changes that we need to adapt to, um, stride length, things like that, uh, speed, uh, we can change how um, that data is calculated and presented. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible piece of um, software that allows us to see those changes. Mm. It's very exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing all the things that you do with it. Is that exciting enough for you, Anne? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So thank you all for coming on the podcast today. I'm looking forward to doing another one and exploring some other areas. Um, yeah, let's wrap it up there. This podcast was proudly brought to you by Finesse Equestrian. For free videos and articles, head on over to finesseequestrian.com. You can also find me on Facebook or YouTube under Finesse Equestrian Training or on Instagram under Ali A. O'Brien. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you are the first to listen in, to screenshot and share on social media and rate and leave us a review so you can do your part in helping us to reach more horses and people.